Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Um, good morning. Good afternoon. Good evening, everybody. It's Charlene Anderson, your wholesale sourcing expert. Here on a gorgeous, sunny April 7th, 2021. Um, spring might be here. Most of the snow is melted out of the yard. The daffodils are peeking out of the ground. So things are looking good. It's supposed to be 50 today. So that's awesome. So we will jump right in and get started because I know you guys are busy. And I have about 10 things on my list to talk about. Um, and we'll get started. First one is... One of the trade groups that I belong to, that I went to the virtual one of the virtual trade shows two weeks ago, um, is starting or has started a weekly Zoom session where vendors that belong to the trade organization can show their products. I think it's a really cool idea. It takes the pressure off of doing it all in a three-day trade show spin. Um, and gives them like sole focus of people. They're done live, they're not pre-recorded and they're free to people who belong to the trade groups. So if you do belong to trade groups or go to trade shows, look and see if any of them are offering this kind of thing. Right now I poked around and this one is the only one doing it, but I think it may become more popular if it is successful. Um, the one that's going on today in this trade group, the vendor is from Australia. So great, they can present their products, don't have to travel, they can catch an audience um, they're obviously based, the group is based in the U.S., so they can catch us on our business time zone. So another way to look for, for new products. So have a look at all your trade shows and see what they offer that way. Um, the other thing I want to mention about all those virtual trade shows I did is I got way behind on shipping in. And you guys know that drives me crazy. I had like 12 shipments, incoming shipments backed up. Um, I'm caught up now. And the only thing that's not shipped is stuff that came in yesterday. So um, it took a full day plus a bit to recover from each of the trade show days. Because um, I kept reordering during that time, but I just didn't have the energy to ship stuff in. So now we're kind of caught up and um, I can see the momentum building in sales again, um, which is, is um, a good thing. Um, because of those trade shows... I'm selling in a totally new product line. It's still in the creative category, creative arts, creative business. Um, but it um, meant that it didn't fit in with any of the other stuff I sell, so I opened a new Etsy store. Um, I'm not selling this product on Amazon. It's going to be purely an Etsy play right now and see. So over the weekend, I got the new store opened. I got... Um, feedback from a couple people about the store design and all that and it's ready to go the first shipment of products arrived so we're up and running on that so um, I love listing on Etsy compared to Amazon and I think the biggest reason it is different is because you know if you make a mistake a typo or left something out it's very easy to fix because you have total control over it so you can 
uh, tweak to your heart's content after you've made the initial listing. And I love that because um, I made the initial listing with a crummy picture just to get the listing live and then got good pictures of the products. It's a multi-variation, color variation product. But at least that got it up and going and I was making forward progress. It's If you, if you have anything that would qualify for selling on Etsy, I really suggest you try it. Um, I, I just, I think it's just a, so much more peaceful and relaxing place to sell. For some reason, it just feels better. So if you have anything that could work there, have a look at it. Um, fees are quite reasonable. Um, we did a couple podcasts with Ellie about it and you can find those, um, on TalkShoe. Um, everything that is done on Facebook Live is also uploaded to TalkShoe, Talk so you can watch them there. But I would suggest really looking into it. Um, I've been pretty lucky. The names of my stores all have the first words the same. And then the last word denotes the product niche that, um, that the products are in. So it's worked out, it's worked out really well. Um, before I started the new niche, I made sure I could get the store name. I wanted and I was able to and I also bought the domain that matched it um, so that domain redirects to the Etsy store and in the domain name is the word that describes the product exactly it would be like I sell scarves um, it's not it that's not it but that would be it and so scarves is in the product name so it that should help a little bit for people understanding what's in the store so um, what that led me to is now I have three Etsy stores, an Amazon store, an eBay store, the wholesale sourcing group. I have Facebook pages for all those stores and all that. And I was, even with my password manager, I was losing track of stuff. I was losing track of the domain and when it expired. Um, what was it a redirect and where did it redirect what was the exact facebook page name all that kind of stuff um so i sat down um last week and put everything into trello um so it's all in one place there is a trello card um for each of these um parts um of my business and Trello is free, which is great. It's in chat now, and I'm going to open it up. It's web-based. For me, I use the web-based one. So I have a different card for each of the things, like my main business name, the Anderson Group name, all the details, the EIN, the uh, um, state registration number, um, sales tax number, et cetera, et cetera. And then for each of the other stores, and I'll call them stores because some some have the same name in two places like the Shopify store and one of the Etsy stores have the same name so I could put it all there so everything now you can look I can look at it and find the details I need instead of clicking around a bunch of different places and and I'd suggest you give it a try I'm using the free version I don't see right now any reason to do an upgraded version um, um, so it, it works real well. Rachel's asking, why not use Evernote for this? Really good question. Um, it I had it in Evernote for a long time, and it was just a scrolling list of names and numbers, you know, in a document, and I called it business stuff, you know, so it had all of it. And that's where I moved it from into Trello. 
Trello are kind of like index cards um, or a big index card with a bunch of little index cards. The, to me, the visual of Trello in this instance works better, I think. I mean, I'm going to give it some more time, but right now I can, all, I can see it works a little better and it syncs across all devices, so that's a great thing. Um, so yeah, it inventory lab or inventory lab, I'm sorry, Evernote was, was it, it held all the information, but it wasn't as visually accessible and I'm a visual person. So having all these, um, little cards laid out. And if you, if you want to log into Trello.com while we're talking, you can look at an example and, and see what they say. I also use Trello, um, for, sewing pattern inventory. I know that's crazy, but um, each card is a different sewing pattern and you can attach photos, you can attach PDFs, you can attach all this stuff to it. And it also can be shared. So if you have a team you need to share something with your business information or whatever, it works there. So just a suggestion to give it a try. As always, if Evernote is working fine for you, then leave it in Evernote. I was just looking for a different solution. Um, because what works for one person may not work for the other. And that's why there's more than one app in the world. Um, let's see. Oh, the next thing has to do, it sort of got into um, that post I did yesterday about trying to help in another group. It's like, I should have known better. I should have known better, you know? But I didn't. But it's... Um, the big talk in all the other groups right now is people trying to get ungated. That's a huge, huge thing um, that is holding up a lot of people. Um, and they and I tried to explain that there are still categories that are not gated and why not try selling in those categories first to see if this business is something you want to do instead of trying to get ungated in beauty or grocery or, or whatever. Um, it didn't go over well. Because you know why? You can't make any money selling on Amazon unless you sell um, beauty and grocery things. That was the upshot. Um, so it's like, yeah, I crawled back into my hole and went away. I said, I'm not helping that anymore. But did I don't know if you knew that, but you can't make any money unless you sell in beauty or grocery. Um, um, which led me to another thought about sourcing, and that's about crossover products. Um, it came up in an email from one of my suppliers that is very firmly in a specific group of products in the craft industry, but they mentioned how some of these products could be used in other crafts. I mean, some of them were rulers, so it's kind of obvious that you could use rulers in other crafts, but, but they used the term crossover products, which is, is, I think it's a really interesting way to look at things that maybe things that most people wouldn't think are being used in one way could be used in another. Um, whether it's um, a kitchen item that could be used um, um, in a pet thing or a hair care product that be, could be used in something else. I mean, just that kind of thing where it doesn't, people don't normally relate it. And the other term that's being used is adjacent. So um, it could be an adjacent product that sort of relates, but not totally. So maybe a pottery making tool that could be used in jewelry making. So it's, it's adjacent to it or um, 
a sewing product that could be used in home decor, that kind of adjacency in, um, in products um, could be something to think about in sourcing. Um, I have noticed in the other Amazon groups that I belong to is there is a massive influx of new sellers right now. Um, more than I've ever seen at one time. Um, very few of them have any idea how Amazon works and what you need to be successful on Amazon. So I'm not worried that there's this huge influx because um, um, it seems to be something has appeared somewhere in some media thing about this is the way to hands off money, you know, set it and forget it money, um, all of that. And people are, are shocked um, about um, that, that it takes work. And Ellen has said she sold 100 Easter baskets in grocery. Oh, I didn't say you couldn't make money in grocery. There is a ton of money there, but it's not the only place to make money. And if you can't get ungated, um, then you need to look somewhere else. But 100 Easter baskets, that's pretty darn awesome. Well done. Um, the whole ungating thing is what's stopping a lot of people. Um, and it's hard because they don't want to do the steps you have to do in business before you get to looking for products, meaning set up your business bank account, get registered with your state, all that stuff that we, we've talked about over and over. And there's been even a whole, um, a whole chapter um, in the book about those things you need to do. Um, and I listened to a, a, a session at one of the um, trade shows about the five things you need to do to set it, legally set up your business. And she was an attorney. Brilliant. She's an attorney for um, artists and craftspeople. That's her niche. And she lives in an RV um, and travels around. Brilliant. But she said the exact five same things I did, which made me feel good that I was leading people down the right way. Um, and Rachel said about sellers, big sellers are coming back. She's noticed one who had 30 workers must have had to shut down his warehouse during the pandemic. And he's coming back. Eh, well, you know, it's bound to happen. We just have to be more nimble and all of that. Um, and I can't imagine the overhead with 30 workers that he had to, to face and, and the loss of income. But, but we'll all be fine because, um, because it's, um, it's a thing where you have to follow the rules. And I think that's hard for a lot of people. Um, I know it is because I watch these other groups. It's very difficult for people to understand. And also the vast majority of these people who are coming in um, common sense needs to be miss seems to be missing from a lot of them um, because they've been told it's a quick and easy way to make money without doing anything. Um, okay, let's get to my next thing on the list. Ah, there's been a big controversy in the travel groups um, about laminating your COVID-19 vaccine card. Um, and one of the big players in the travel industry, the points guy, com that's the name of his website first said laminate it and then after he got blowback from medical professionals they had to um, retract and say no we were wrong when i got my second vaccine they specifically said before i walked out don't laminate it um, they may have to add boosters they may have to add other stuff so anyway so i did some poking around um, and um, i discovered that those badge holders 
that we get at um, trade shows, you know, those plastic things that you put your name tag in, those hold the COVID-19 vaccine cards. So you can put it in one of those and put it away safely and it won't get bit and crushed and all that. I've taken a picture of mine with my phone, stored it on my phone, and then put the card with my passport and that yellow, um, the other yellow vaccine thing from decades where when you have to get a yellow fever vaccine to travel places and all of that. Um, so my suggestion is don't, don't laminate it. Um, if you've done it already, there's nothing you can do. I know Staples, as Rachel said, was promoting um, free lamination, but the healthcare professionals now are saying don't in case some other information has to be added. So just dig out one of those badge holders from an old trade show and shove it in there and it'll be safe. Um, and I th that did lead me to looking on Amazon and people are now selling those badge holders, which happen to be four inches by three inches. They're now selling them as COVID vaccine card protection. They've rebranded them and made new listings specifically, specifically for that issue. Um, so it wasn't, it wasn't um, that they had to make a new product. They just rebranded it. So I think smart, but they've, they've like doubled the price over a badge holder price too, which not so smart for me, but anyway. Um, then the last thing I wanna talk about is the whole UPC issue. Um, and um, this is coming more and more to a head. Um, I think Rachel had some issues with it and, um, and uh, other people have asked questions. So I'm going to tell you what I know. I'm not going to make up stuff and pretend I know it. And I'll tell you what I'm doing. And then you can take this information, do your own research, and decide what you want to do about this. So um, we all know now that UPCs purchased from a UPC reseller um, are not to be used, okay? There was a time when that was what we all did. I did it, I bought, you know, like 500 of them. Um, they're, they're not to be used. And which brings me to an interesting story. I had someone in the group who needed help with UPC codes. Um, and this person gave me like three or four of the UPC codes that were on a product that, that they had purchased from the brand owner, okay? And um, assumption would be that those are GS1 registered UPC codes. They were not. Um, they, um, they had purchased the barcodes, the UPCs, from a reseller and you can find out who owns those quite easily. You just pop it into the, the GS1 um, database and it'll tell you who, who owns it. In this case, it was a company in San Diego who owned those barcodes. They were registered to this company. So fast forward six, eight months, the person got a GTIN exemption, things were moving along. Um, I had another person last, no, 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 hold on. It wasn't another person. It was a vendor of mine. I'm thinking about the product. I got a new product from them, made a new listing, put the UPC code in, and it went to a phone case. That's a big red flag. If you get those red letters when you're making a new listing and saying, hmm, it goes, it goes to something else. So I popped that UPC code in the same database. 
it was owned by the same company in San Diego as the group members was six months ago. So obviously these people are big players in the resale market. So I contacted the, the woman who makes these products, the brand owner, um, and she said, yeah, we bought it because that's what everybody said to do. We bought a hundred of them for our product line and that's what we're using. We did not realize it would be a problem. So I did explain to her um, that in 99% of the case time, it wouldn't be a problem um, for a, a um, retail store who uses it to track inventory, it wouldn't be. The problem is on Amazon when you're using that as a product identifier. And she had no idea. And I, I wouldn't expect her to know, but it's the second vendor of mine that I've run into that has done that, has bought, we'll call them eBay barcodes, and put on their, printed those numbers on their products. Um, but, um, both of them, fortunately, I was able to get a GTI an exemption for, so I'll just ignore their barcodes on there and, and move ahead. I don't expect her at this point to change them and buy them since we have the exemption in place and I can list new products. And I'm the only seller of her products on Amazon. Um, I found her at a trade show about five years ago and have been the only seller on Amazon for that long. Um, so your vendors might not know. So I think starting today, when you put on that list of things to ask your vendors, like about shipping costs, about lead times, about SDS sheets, I ask that now if it's anything that could need an SDS in the vague possibility, ask if they have them. I think you need to ask them if their UPC codes are registered to them through GS1. And if they don't know, ask them to send you a couple of the, the UPCs they're using and plug them in and find out yourself. Um, because as, as the group member said, Amazon is contacting them that it doesn't match. Um, so um, issue raised, right? So the question then becomes, what do we do now? What do we do about those listings that... Um, that already have the barcode on them. I'm sitting tight on them right now. I'm not doing anything um, with those reused barcodes. I'm sitting tight and I'm going to investigate further. And that, unless you have a compelling reason to do something, that's what I suggest. Spend the time doing a little more research. Um, because if you start acting without a plan in place about what to do, um, when you try to remove or change those barcodes, then you might be in a mess. So say, say your barcodes, you have them, the eBay codes, eBay purchase codes for bundles you create. Figure out how you, um, how you are going to deal with it in the future. And to me, that would be easy, a GTI and exemption. If you don't already have it, get it for, um, for your products. And then you and I and others in the group, we need to investigate more about if those barcodes can be removed and the GTI and exemption applied to products um, that are already existing in the catalog, because we don't want to have to make new listings. We need to find out what Amazon says to do in this case. And Right now, opening a case in seller support is not something I'd suggest because that might open a can of worms that you don't want to open because you don't know anything. Um, I wouldn't trust what a lot of other groups are saying 
because they act like they know, but then you find out they have no clue and you followed something you don't know. I'm going to tell you guys when I don't know something, and I don't have the answer to this one right now. Um, I am in the same boat as a lot of you as I've used those codes for as long as there's been FBA. So what, that's like 16 years now, something like that, um, that FBA has been around uh, 15, 16 years. Um, so sit tight. Um, Rachel just posted, even GTI and exemptions I got are no longer working. Um, that could be, that's something I would work on because I've had that happen and a couple things, if the, somebody flipped a switch the wrong way after you've used them for a while and they have to reactivate it. Um, or it could be that you have an exemption in one particular category and you're listing in another. So say my exemption was in, in, um, the home category and I want to start listing or I want to list one of my products in sporting goods. Um, the exemption wouldn't carry over. You have to have a per category exemption, at least as far as I know, that's still the case. So you need to check with them um, and see. And if you, you have the dates and case numbers, yeah, just open a new case and say, take a screenshot of you trying to list it and it not working and say, hey, I'm trying to list this product with my GTIN exemption issued on X date with case number Y, it's not working, fix it, you know, nicely. But, um, but yeah, um, I have had it happen and have gotten it fixed. And I've also realized that I've tried listing in a different category and it didn't work. So what I've been doing when I ask for a, a new exemption is I pick as many categories as makes sense for the product. So for me, it could be home improvement, tools, sporting goods, you know, for for my stuff health and beauty makes no sense and grocery makes no sense um surprisingly automotive does because a lot of these tools could be used on cars tools that i sell so they could be used on cars so if you do a new one um do as many categories as makes sense um the uh the next thing is in chat uh, Thalia says, how the heck can they put anything COVID related in their listing without running into some kind of listing violation? They never used the word COVID. They used immunization and vaccine card. That's how they got around it. I looked. Protect your immunization card from wear and tear and et cetera, et cetera. And, uh, protect your vaccination card. Protect your vaccine card. Um, that's how they got around it. They never used the word COVID. Um, so, um, and Thalia's saying in some cases for GTI and, and exemptions, they want an in-hand picture of the product and packaging. That is the case in every one I've done recently. They want a picture of the product, um, or, or the packaging. I've never had them want the product out of the package, but they want a picture of the package. So the branding is on the package. Um, that's been the case for quite a while. Um, they don't need the letter that they used to, at least the one I did last week did not ask for that brand letter saying, um, blah, blah, blah. Um, fortunately with phones, it's easy to snap those pictures and send them in. I have a weird one that I did about a month ago, um, for a product that does not have any packaging. It's just loose. It's the product and that's how they sell it. Um, but the brand name is wood burned into the end of the product. 
it has the brand name and then the part number, you know, and it's a wood product and it's burned into the end of it. So I submitted those pictures and said, this product does not come packaged. This is how it comes from the brand owner, blah, blah, blah. Here's a picture showing the brand name on the end of the product. And they accepted that. Um, that was a few months ago. So it, it could be a bigger fight if that's what you have. But um, this, in this case, I think Amazon is just trying to, to deal with a lot of crap that people are trying to pull with the GTI exemption now. I mean, um, so the barcode, the buy, buying barcodes issues, that one, that loophole was closed. So now the GTI exemption one is coming along. Um, and I, you know, it, it makes it difficult when your suppliers, like the two I have now, who don't understand the barcode thing. Um, hopefully, word will get out. Um, I have made a few posts in the trade groups I belong to about the importance of having GS1 registered barcodes to your company. Um, and I don't play up the Amazon side for, for the, the uh, manufacturers because that's not what they want. They want what's in it for me. Um, you, you can use the take that it makes your business have a little more brand recognition and value when the UPC codes that go with the products are actually registered to you. Um, another way to approach it um, to hopefully get them to understand the issue. If they tell you that they have used um, purchased um, eBay barcodes, then I would be very careful um, before I ordered from them to make sure I could get the GTI in exemption. And you need to explain to them Without that exemption, the products cannot be sold on Amazon. Um, and please help me with images, with everything we can, so we can get your product on Amazon. And I found most of the, the smaller suppliers who this seems to be an issue with um, um, will understand and try to help you because they want the money from Amazon in that case. Um, but, but whatever you do, don't use the eBay barcodes anymore. Um, I had a nice little, I have like a 200 left in a spreadsheet with all the numbers and they're just sitting there. They're no good to me anymore. And I can imagine the bottom has dropped out of that market on eBay where people were buying, you know, tons of them. Um, and now since you can't use them on Amazon, there's really no point um, for a lot of people. Um, it, it's, um, a case where you want to get your products on Amazon and you need the right code. Um, I have one other thing on my list and that was the Shark Tank Clubhouse um, that Eugenia um, invited us to yesterday. Um, I was cooking dinner when it came on so I was able to actually listen. Um, the timing was good for me and basically what Clubhouse is a new app you have to have invitations to get into it. I have one left if anybody wants one. You can, I need you to uh, private message me your cell phone number and you have to be on Apple iOS or Mac iOS. Um, it's not on Android yet. So what this group was, was a round table of um, shark tankers who had gotten deals on Shark Tank and we all know Eugenia did, um, talking about issues and taking questions 
are listening to pitches from people about who, who are planning on going on Shark Tank or thinking about it and how would they pitch their product and getting information um, from the sharks who had gotten deals. And then it, it evolved into, first of all, talking about getting your products on Amazon and how do you manage that. And there was a lot of talk about people, well, I'm hiring a service to do it or um, I don't know what I'm doing, but I'm trying and my, you know, my heart starts pounding hearing all of this. Um, I'm not sure if I'm doing it right, some stuff like that. And, um, and uh, Eugenia mentioned something about, I was, I, you know, you show up in this list and I was a friend of hers who helped her um, with, when she listened to my podcast back in 2013 or 2014. And so she uh, got me on what they call it on stage or whatever it is to tell people about Amazon. And basically the point I raised there is if you're going to hire somebody to run your Am the Amazon part of your business, you need to vet them a thousand percent because unlike most other things, there's really not do overs with your Amazon business. You screw it up and you're gone and it's hard to get it back. And you could just feel it was like, really? You know, I said, and I said, you need to make sure the people you hire, whether it's a firm or a um, VA or a person who's working in your office, that they know the rules. And it happened to be like 635 when I was saying this. I said, they have to know the Amazon rules as of 630, not a 5 p.m. because that's how fast it changes. And if you aren't up to it that quick, you are at risk of losing your account. And that's the point I tried to stress was all of this is so important because there might not be a getting it back. No matter how much money you throw at a reinstatement service, no matter what, you screw it up bad enough, there's no getting it back. Um, and a lot of them weren't aware of it, that, that how um, rule bound it is. So that was kind of a wake up call. It was interesting. I'm gonna listen in um, to a few more when they come up, I think they're every Tuesday night at 7 p.m. Eastern, um, because it was interesting to hear from people who obviously have, they're talking about advertising budgets of, of $1,000 a day, you know, on their advertising and, and all of that. And it's like, okay, that's a world I can't understand. Um, but I do understand the Amazon part of it. So it'll be interesting to see where it goes. It's worth a listen. Um, one thing that did stand out, the moderator was exceptional. Um, first of all, he had a great voice and that gets me, but, but he asked the right questions of guests who were there. He knew enough background about them all. He was a, he was also a Shark Tank uh, deal maker. He'd gotten a deal. Um, and then there was a breadth of knowledge and a breadth of timing in business from the, um, the people who were on stage. So you could hear a lot. Some had gotten their deal like a month ago. Some had gotten a deal in season one. So it was this whole variety of, um, of experiences. And the one thing that stood out is Eugenia, bless her. She's, she is so well-spoken. And if you haven't watched her Shark Tank pitch, watch it, because she was brilliant. Um, she just kind of drops in. They were, people were talking about TikTok and how to use it in marketing. And she says, you know, I may not be an expert at it. I only have 5 million TikTok followers. <laughs> it's like, yeah, the, the, the host, um, 
said, I don't know if you guys heard that. She kind of like underplayed it, but 5 million TikTok followers. Um, pretty, pretty amazing. Um, and um, there was lots of talk about how you should brand your TikTok. Eugenia's branded hers in the name of her Huxley, her dog, who was the star. Um, and other people have branded it in their business name, other in their personal name. There was a whole bunch of answers. So it's a good listen. Um, it's not one you have to stay engaged with a lot, so it's good to put on your phone while you're doing something else. Um, so I'm going to ask for final questions. I know I didn't answer your UPC thing completely, um, but I don't know. I don't know what else is out there yet, and and I don't want to lead you the wrong way. If I don't know, I want to tell you I don't know. Okay. So if there's um, any other questions or comments or um, put it in the chat so I can get to it. One thing, it looks like IPIs went up um, for a lot of people in the group. Um, I think there's huge glitches going on with them. Um, not that going up was a glitch, but the going downs were, and they're trying to recover in some way to, um, to fix that. I am now got on my calendar that every other day I check for that, you know, hide the reorder suggestions. Um, and I'm, I'm comfortable with what I'm doing. So, oh, Rachel, the craziness with reserved inventory. Again, I don't have an answer for you. Um, where is it? My guess, it has been, this is my guess. It's been delivered, but not checked in. But that's only a guess because I don't know. And I don't think Amazon even knows. Um, do you use Inventory Lab or Restock Pro? Because sometimes those have more up-to-date information, especially Restock Pro. They seem to get a feed more often and have better numbers. Um, but I don't know. I think it could be another glitch, just like like the what I believe is an IPI glitch. It is scary, and it's interesting. I don't know if you guys saw the question yesterday or the day before about do I trust Am how Amazon handles my inventory? Uh Perfect, because no, we don't, and this is exactly why, this problem with, quote, inventory not showing up anywhere. So, Rachel, look on in Restock Pro and look what they show as inbound on those and dig in on that side as opposed to the Amazon side and see if you can match anything up that way. That pick up, um, pick up a, a couple ASINs that you're having trouble with and see if you can put two and two together there. I think they get feeds more often than, than Inventory Lab because I've seen where in, I have like 10 inbound and I know they are because I just sent them off the, yesterday and Restock Pro shows I have 10 inbound but they haven't shown up on Inventory Lab yet. So do that and see if you get an answer or can figure, parse something out of it and figure out what's happening, put it in the group so we can all know. So if we have that problem, we can, we can see. Um, what's going on with it. So if there's no other questions, I'll let you guys get back to work. Um, I have two shipments to get out today, so I got to get busy because UPS has been here sometimes at noon and sometimes yesterday they were here at 9 p.m. And I've noticed um, with my UPS truck, I call it my truck, but um, is they go back, to, they have to go back to the depot at least once during the day. So they load up their truck, they deliver all those, they have to go all the way back to the depot, and then they come out again. Um, 
and you can look at your um, UPS shipments if you sign up for UPS My Choice. I think it's called My Cho My Choice. Um, then you get a text notification when you have shipments coming today, and you click on a link, and it can show you a live map of where the truck is. Um, so that's that's a way to keep track and know how fast you have to work. Is the truck getting closer? Is it gone back to the depot? Um, it's amazing. And God, that's long hours for those guys. That's a, like a 14 hour workday, physical workday. So, um, Thalia asked, did you try the tool for reserved inventory? Do you mean an Amazon tool, Thalia, or a restock pro tool? Because that, I suggested the restock pro side because it's not showing up. Um, oh, okay. Ah, okay. Type Thalia says type reserved inventory into help on Seller Central and put in your ASIN. Not sure if it'll tell you what you're looking for, but good to know. It's certainly a good thing to know. I did not know you could just type it into Seller Central like that. I know you can do it when you have suppressed listings. You can put ASIN in there and it'll pop up and tell you if everything's good. And, and just in a, as an aside, I had five suppressed listings and that tool told me everything was good, so I opened up a case on each of them and says, hey, the tool says everything's good. What's up? And they made all sorts of excuses of why it's suppressed and blah, blah, blah. But, yeah. Um, so, that being said, I'll let you guys go. You have a good day. Stay safe. Um, stay out of the crazy weather in the southeast. I see lots of weirdness happening there. Ed, I hope you get the rain. You need, we had snow, we woke up to snow yesterday morning, so it's, it's headed your way. You guys stay safe, take care, and we'll see you in the group. Bye-bye. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW group. Void prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.